how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bring it a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I gotta, I gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Booze and Baseball with Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat and sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball. Derek, you are drinking right now. What are you drinking? I am. I uh, actually got this as a Christmas present. It's uh, Garrison Brothers. It is a little local uh, distillery, brewery, or not brewery, but uh, whiskey distillery in Texas near Horseshoe Bay. Um, it is one of the first places to legally sell whiskey in the state of Texas. So uh, they have all sorts of different things. This is a honeydew whiskey, which normally I'm not gonna, not actually one of those guys who's into like the Tennessee honey, Jack Daniels and, and those types. I, I think it's too much. This is the perfect subtle amount. So this is really good. I got it on ice. Um, I, that, it's a beautiful pour that you have too there. Yes, very good. You got to go with the ice cubes. Those, those last few sips where it's kind of watered down. I don't know if that's sacrilegious, but those are my favorite. Honeydew, though. Is, is it good yeah. with, with that honeydew flavor? Yeah, like I said, uh, some of the other honey-infused ones, it's just way too overpowering of honey. This one is just like a very subtle hint. And so I actually really, really like this one. Very, very good. Highly recommend it. Love that. Well, I uh, I am kind of having to stay away from drinking this evening at the time of recording on the 29th. I have a very early flight to Arizona where I will be drinking a lot more. My plan of attack will be champagne if the TCU Horn Frogs win. Um, I may drown myself in whiskey and some other really bad things if they lose. So I'm I'm holding out for this week, just waiting, waiting, waiting. Kickoff is uh, the big deal, of course, uh, Fiesta Bowl on Saturday. So looking forward to that. But my my drinks will be coming accordingly. I'm currently on the road as we speak, uh, preparing to hopefully fly. Um, you know, based off what's happening, there's a chance I won't be. I might be driving. So that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm holding back today. But uh, back in the new year, for the new year, there will be plenty of champagne, hopefully. Uh, just hoping that a championship possibly in the festival comes with that. So we, we will see on that front. Uh, but in the new year, the drinks will be flying and flooded once again. Uh, that honeydew though, Derek, that sounds really pretty dang good. If you ask me, uh, we're going to do something a little different than we normally do on this podcast. Uh, we jump around uh, to different segments. We have one segment all day today, but before we get to that, we are going to get to our normal thing. That would be our throw it back and chug stat here. And that would be in December 20th of 2018, okay, the, the time frame that we kind of been doing these podcasts, it's every other week. So on December the 20th, 
something that I noticed of 2018, Ian Kinsler signed with the Padres. December the 20th of 2019, Ian Kinsler retired. Uh, kind of bizarre that you would see a start to a new chapter, and then that same chapter ends one year exactly on the date later. Uh, but Derek, Ian Kinsler had quite the career, 14-year career. He had a 54.1 war. He had 1,999 hits. That's the one thing that kind of stood out to me. You couldn't have held on for one more year to get one more hit. I'm a little surprised that he didn't try that. Yeah, I, but like, I don't know. That's such a long grind and a long season, if you actually think about it, to be like, okay, I'm going to commit to a whole year of it just to get one more hit. But if he would have been like, you know, it's it's August or something, and he's like, hey, uh, bad team, sign me for the last month of the season. I can get my hit. I can retire. We call it a career. But, yeah, unbelievable player. And certainly for me, remember him most in his years with the Texas Rangers and some of those great teams that they had with Josh Hamilton, a, a very young Elvis Andrews, and uh, kind of had that collection of like, oh, we don't have a star starting pitcher, but we just have like a bunch of solid guys with C.J. Wilson, and you have Neftali Feliz at the back of the bullpen. But uh, he was certainly among one of the best players uh, in the American League at kind of his peak. Now, something that I want to mention is Ian Kinsler, man, was so good with the Rangers. I feel like a lot of his career – was actually forgotten when he went to Detroit, which is where he signed that major deal, right? And so it's interesting because obviously now the segue is to free agency. Uh, over the last couple of weeks with the holiday season, Derek and I haven't had much of a chance to do this podcast. We're finally going to review some of these signings. We're not going to be able to cover all of them because there's just too many of them. But Derek, before we even get to these, I want your comment on this because there have been a lot of names that have signed that signed before the new year. And, and of course, in previous years, we haven't seen that. We've seen a lot of guys kind of hold out. So this year, we kind of gone through most of them. Yeah, um, I I think that so far, free agency has gone a lot quicker than we've seen in, in past seasons, which is super refreshing, super nice that we're not waiting until, you know, February for these big names to sign. And that's kind of been my biggest takeaway so far, that we actually get that entertainment value, the hot stove, to this point throughout the year. Um I mean, so far, there haven't been, like, any, I guess, huge shocking things. The most shocking thing that's happened is just the whole Carlos Correa saga. But in terms of, like, there hasn't been, like, a random team where, I guess maybe you could say the Texas Rangers with, you know, after they spent a bunch last year doing even more this year. But overall, it's it's not been, like, overly shocking with everything happening. But certainly really interested with some of the new players and, and their new locations. It's been a really interesting offseason, as you mentioned, with Correa, and we'll get to that in just a second here. Uh, but it, even just monitoring some of these players, how they've kind of gone off the board so quickly, you know, we've seen in past years how guys will wait for other players to sign. And, you know, you saw Aaron Judge kind of sign earlier, I would say, in this offseason, and that kind of catapulted things. Xander Bogarts went off the board pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, down the stretch, I mean, it's been pretty fast over the last couple of weeks since we last did this podcast uh, of how many players have gone off. At this point, there's not really any top tier free agent that's available. Um, you know, you could sit back and you can sugarcoat and you could say, well, some of these guys could be really valuable. But the reality is the main guys are off, right? The main guys are off the board. So with that being said, we're going to review some of these moves that have happened over the last couple of weeks. And Derek and I are just going to give our insight on each of these. Um, we may not have much to say about some of them. It just depends. But there is one that I guarantee you both of us have something to say about. We're going to go from the AL East all the way through the NL West. And it starts with the New York Yankees. Major signing for them, a six-year deal with Carlos Rodon. 
Derek, was this the right move for the Yankees? Yeah, absolutely love it. I mean, you can never have enough good starting pitching, and especially when you're the Yankees and you expect to be in deep playoff series where obviously you're going to need those those high-end pitchers. And, you know, you worry about maybe the health of Luis Severino. Frankie Montas didn't look the same after being traded. I think that has to do with his shoulder injury that he had before he eventually got traded. You don't know, is Nestor Cortez, like, is that going to continue how great he was or is he going to take a step back? They could have used another guy, and it's almost a cherry on top situation, but uh, I don't love it for him necessarily because you're pitching in Yankee Stadium, but he also is a strikeout pitcher, so I think he can avoid it just fine. I'm sure the ERA will go you know, up a little bit, but a uh, big move for the Yankees. Uh, probably their second biggest move, though, I would say, of the offseason. $162 million, and yes, that is just shy of the $360 million over the nine years the Yankees gave Aaron Judge. Now, going to the Boston Red Sox, their rivals, maybe not as much action going on there. The most recent move that they made, they signed Corey Kluber to a deal. Is there any life in that arm there, Derek? No, I mean, he had a good enough season with the Rays based on how they used him. He basically was a guy that wasn't going to go through three times to the order, which is traditionally kind of how they've used their pitchers. Um, it's just weird to see the Red Sox kind of playing the bargain bin game. I agree. I agree. A one-year deal worth $10 million, not, not a ton of money for a guy that, I mean, at one point in time, you know, he was one of the best pitchers on the face of the earth, but that's not who he is now. And, you know, they're basically replacing Nathan Eovaldi uh, with Corey Kluber. And so that's a massive downgrade, if you ask me. Um, definitely surprised by some of the moves the Red Sox have made their team is just overall kind of not being able to put these pieces together I think Jeter Downs being DFA'd that was a huge sign that wow that trade with Mookie Betts was really the signal that this team went down south the wrong direction um it's gonna be a weird team I, I could see them finishing in last in the American League East once again going down the chain though as we continue through this list the Blue Jays they've been semi-active lately but the big thing outside of the major trades and we're we'll talk about their trade they traded for Dalton Varsho uh from the Arizona Diamondbacks but they had to unload Gabriel Moreno and also Lourdes Gurriel Jr. just thoughts on that initially yeah so I think Varsho is a it's a very good player to have if he's your catcher Right. If you have a 770 or 745 OPS like he did, and you have speed, uh, 16 steals at the catcher position, that's super valuable. But now, if you're turning that into an outfielder, that's like more of an average corner outfielder. You know what I mean? So I don't love they had to give up Guriel and Moreno. I get it was coming from a surplus at the catcher position. So, from that standpoint, it's okay. But I don't know. I, I like this move more for the Diamondbacks than I do the Blue Jays. Both of their trades that they made this season, I, I look at it in going, I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to get less right-handed bats in the lineup by moving to Oscar Hernandez, and you're trying to beef up the bullpen. And you're trying to add a left-handed bat like Dalton Varsho, who can be a versatile weapon for you and, and getting rid of surplus when you have a young all-star catcher and all-hunter Kirk. But uh, I, I do not like the returns they got in either trade. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I, you know, I look at the Diamondbacks and I don't think people are talking about that team enough and we'll talk about them in a second, but I do believe they also got the best return on that deal. Um, when you look at it at the end of the day, the Blue Jays are still thinking that their window is right here. 
I, I'm a little bit kind of confused by some of the moves they made. I mean, trading off Tay Oscar Hernandez and replacing him with Varsho, to me, that's that's a bat that's still not an upgrade by any means, you know? And then you lose Guriel Jr. in that process. I I almost kind of feel like they got worse in that sense. There are a couple other moves they made, though, that were somewhat significant. They signed Chris Bassett to a three-year deal worth $63 million. They also signed Kevin Kiermaier to a one-year deal worth $9 million. Do those do anything for you to, to kind of build this team in the right direction, or do they kind of sit back in the, you know, in the background of what's happened in the MLB? No, I actually really like it. Uh, Kiermaier helps him with fielding and someone who can take some time from George Springer uh, if, if he gets injured like he normally does. He's a left-handed bat. They needed more of those. Chris Bassett, I think he's a really good pitcher. Uses a lot of different pitches. If he's your number four, number five, which he might be for this team, that's a really good sign. Yeah, he's a great number three, number four, no doubt about that. Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays, there's not much to say about them. Outside of the signing of Zach Eflin to start the year, they've basically been silent since then. Uh, Has it been a failure of an offseason for them? They've been pretty quiet. No, I think this is just raised being raised. They don't want to spend a ton of money. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. I mean, the Rays are still going to find a way somehow to win 86-plus games. It's it's just – this is one of the weirder teams out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't hate the moves that they made. Uh, to the Baltimore Orioles, the team that maybe should be making some big moves with the youth movement coming through, uh, they've signed Kyle Gibson to a one-year deal worth $10 million. They've signed Adam Frazier to a one-year deal worth $8 million. And then Michael Givens – uh, he's returning back to Baltimore here. He's got a one-year deal worth $5 million. These moves are kind of whatever to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very disappointed in the Orioles. Like with the Rays, it's kind of expected. With the Orioles, you have all this young talent coming up. I would have thought this would have been the perfect year to go out and nab some big starting pitcher free agent or nab some veteran bat that you can bring into the lineup as, as maybe a, a number six hitter and just really add to to the presence that you really have. I thought they really missed an opportunity here this offseason. The Chicago White Sox in the AL Central, they've signed Andrew Benatendi to a five-year deal worth $75 million. That is actually, Derek, the biggest contract that that organization has handed out. Um, outside of that, though, they've kind of just let a few pieces slip, including Jose Abreu, Mike Clevenger. Um, you know, has the team gotten better or worse? Are they kind of the same despite, you know, handing out the biggest contract? That's absolutely wild that that's their biggest because that's a big market team. Um, I actually, you know, I look at the lineup right now in front of me and it's, I, I don't know if it's really good or if it's just a bunch of recognizable names. I think sometimes we fall into that trap where it's like, oh, I know him, I know him, I know him, I know him. Like, I know he's a solid player, so that adds up, but it might not be as good as we think. But, I mean, Tim Anderson, Andrew Benintendi, Louis Robert, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Moncada, if he can bounce back at all, Andrew Vaughn, who I really like. And then you have Yasmani Grandal and Gavin Sheets and possibly Jake Berger off the bat. Like, I think I, I think that's a pretty good lineup there. And I, and I like the front of the rotation with Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn. If Giolito can bounce back, he signed Mike Clevenger earlier. Kopech, if he can continue the, the positive ascension. I really like this team. I think they could bounce back and uh, end up winning the division. Although Cleveland uh, certainly had a really young team last year that already won it. Let's go to Cleveland, uh, kind of a move that I think maybe has slipped under the radar a little bit. Two-year deal worth $33 million to Josh Bell. We talked about that a little bit previously on our podcast last time. But Mike Zanino has also signed with Cleveland to a one-year deal worth $6 million. Um, anything there that maybe shakes it up for you? Does the Josh Bell deal kind of put them as the team that maybe wins the Central? And uh, Zanino has power. I mean, what does that do for them? 
Yeah, uh, I, I think they just have to be the favorite organizationally. They've done so well with pitchers. I'm excited to see some of the guys that are going to be coming up prospect-wise, but no, the, the free agent moves don't do a ton for me. I think Josh Bell's a nice free agent. Like, that would have been the type of move that I would like the Orioles to make in the lineup. So I appreciate Cleveland doing that and, and trying to add that. Uh, but Cleveland is going to be more about internal growth, I think, than anything. Talk about internal growth, a team that's still trying to figure it out. Uh, developing around Bobby Wood Jr. are the Kansas City Royals in your neighborhood. Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarbrough signing with the organization. Lyles to a two-year $17 million deal, and then Yarbrough to a one-year $3 million deal. I, I mean, at this point, it just seems like these guys are there to eat innings and get them through the season while their youth develops. Is that kind of what you get out of this? Yeah, the I do not understand how Jordan Lyles got a two-year deal. Um, I I, I kind of like have always liked Ryan Yarborough on a cheap contract. If he can be someone who just piggybacks off an opener, maybe that signals how the Royals are going to play and they're going to use more of the analytics going forward. But yeah, very quiet offseason for the Royals through winter meetings. They had not even even accounting for the Rule Five draft, even accounting for minor league transactions. They had not spent a dollar on bringing in another player. So those were the first two moves. At least they're off the schneid. You will get Matt Boyd and his favorite team, the Detroit Tigers. He re-signs with them a one-year deal worth $10 million. There's just an ongoing joke in our fantasy league that the same team picks him up because we've always seemed to believe something in Matt Boyd, but he's returning at age 31, almost age 32 at this point. Uh, they also signed Michael Lorenzen to a one-year $8.5 million deal. The Tigers are kind of another team that's similar in that Royals aspect where just let your youth kind of grow. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add there. The Tigers, hopefully they they figure it out. I don't know. It was kind of bad last season. Team that's hard for me to break down is really, really confusing is the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the Minnesota Twins this offseason, of course, losing Carlos Correa. Uh, their response to that is signing Christian Vasquez to a three-year $30 million deal, which if you ask me, I personally think that's a bit of an overpay. I, I'm 32 years old, um, three years. He's going to be 35 by the time that contract ends. And his production dropped off the moment he was traded to Houston. They also signed Joey Gallo, which we all know the story there. Um, obviously struggled in New York. Didn't do much better in LA. A one-year deal, $11 million. I mean, I can't figure this team out, Derek. And I know that you in the past have believed in them. I have a hard time believing in this organization. I regret to inform you. I believe again in the Minnesota twins. I, uh, I don't love the starting pitching for them. I, I don't even know if I love the bullpen. I do love Joan Duran, but I, I kind of think the lineup could be top 10 in the MLB. Uh, Luis Araya is at the top with the good batting average. Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco is a good player. I think he'll have a better season. Uh, you can get some power from Kepler and Gallo. And, and I do think like with Carlos Correa, we'll get to that later, but um, it's, it's a bigger loss for the giants not to have Carlos Correa than it is the twins because the twins have Jose Miranda who can play third base. Luis Arias can play third base. Nick Gordon can play on the infield. Um, you also have potentially uh, some prospects coming up and um, Royce Lewis who, who looked pretty good when he got a shot last year before the injury. So, I, I actually am kind of buying into some of the young players. 
I don't think this is going to be a playoff team, but I, I think it's going to be a team that wins somewhere close to 82, 84 games and is at least hanging around the playoff picture down the stretch. The best thing that could have happened to the Twins this offseason, somehow in slot 13, they ended up getting the fifth pick in the MLB draft. That one just blew my mind. Um, the Houston Astros, the defending World Series champions, watched Justin Verlander leave. In comes Jose Abreu on a three-year deal. Rafael Montero resigns with them. And then Michael Brantley resigns as well. Is this team still prime for another World Series run? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pick them to go back to back. That's I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's so hard to win back to back titles nowadays and, and any time at all. But uh, if anybody can suffer a loss of Justin Verlander, it's them. They had a ton of starting pitcher depth, so I think that's why you haven't seen them go out and replace him with anybody else. Love the Jose Abreu signing for them. Uh, I think those are going to be improved at bats from what they had previously from uh Yuli Gurriel and then Michael Brantley just a consummate pro in there like yeah they'll be one of the best teams in the MLB the LA Angels uh they've been kind of active they made one of the first signings in the offseason Tyler Anderson from the LA Dodgers to the Angels three-year deal 39 million dollars he is about to enter age 33 season so you're gonna get him through his 36 year old season um one-time wonder I don't know if I love the signing for them but they do need pitching uh, they also signed Brandon Drury which I actually really like this signing a two-year deal worth 17 million dollars I feel like he's very worth that value considering the production he put up this past season um he was kind of consistent throughout the entire year and he's a guy that was totally slept on throughout the season I, I he could provide some serious value for the angels there they also signed carlos estevez to a two-year 13.5 million dollar deal i don't love that one um obviously we've seen him pitch in colorado so his numbers are a little inflated in that respect but I, the, the deal that actually stands out to me for them is Drury. I feel like the value is going to come from them uh for them through Drury. i i don't know if i love the tyler anderson deal no, I don't love it, but they had to add depth this offseason, and you kind of got it done with Tyler Anderson and Gio Urshela. Uh, we'll see what Logan O'Hop can, can kind of provide for them. Drury can play all over. Hunter Renfro. Just seems like they have added a, kind of, a ton of uh, kind of just like average, above average players, but that's kind of what they needed because they already have the star power. So I kind of like their offseason, but I am also worried because I also really like a lot of the other teams in their division, what they did. The Oakland A's, the team you probably don't like what they did. Alemis uh, <laughs> Diaz, two-year deal, $14 million. Jace Peterson, two-year deal, $9.5 million. Trevor May, one-year deal worth $7 million. I'm just sorry. It's, nothing jumps off the page for me here at all. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. No, I, I have nothing to add. I, I don't want to talk about Drew Ruchinski agreeing to a one-year contract. This this team is a disaster. I, I'm, I've got to be honest. They're a disgrace to the game of baseball. They, they've got to do something. I mean, their poor fans are just sitting there aimlessly waiting and hoping for something better. Nothing. Nothing's coming for them. They keep doing the same old thing, and uh, it never works. Anyways, the Seattle Mariners, I, I had to get that off my chest. They, they just... A's pissed me off. Um, you, you look at the Mariners offseason. They lost Hanniger. They lost Boyd, who didn't do much for them. Uh, Adam Frazier's gone. Carlos Santana's gone. Uh, they, they really haven't actually done anything. They signed Trevor Gott to a one-year deal worth $1.2 million. Are you surprised by that at all? Because the main thing that you could talk about is obviously extending Julio Rodriguez. I mean, that, that's the thing that jumps off the page. Yeah, I, I think the Teoscar Hernandez trade, though, can be enough for go. this team. I, I, I think they were very close to to being there last season, and I expect them to be a team again that if they're around, like they'll make a move at the deadline. That's a very good point. Teoscar could 
definitely put them over the top in that respect. Uh, dishing off Jesse Winker, replacing him with Tay Oscar. I, I do like that move a lot. Okay, the team that we kind of prefaced a little bit early on, the Texas Rangers, the one that I kind of wanted to end with in the AL. Jacob deGrom, Nathan Eovaldi, Andrew Heaney, and Martin Perez on an, a technically extension of re-signing a one-year deal uh, on the qualifying offer. Those are some really good names headed to Texas, and they're all pitchers, which is what they needed. Uh, I mean, the Rangers, to me, Derek, they're kind of scary now. They're kind of scary. I like their rotation. I like what they have. They just need to stay healthy. Yeah, no, I I, I love that rotation now. Like, no matter how you slot it, if you're like, well, Martin Perez, John Gray, Nathan Eovaldi, Andrew Heaney, if any of those is your number four or number five, you're very happy with that. And then you have DeGrom at the front. Obviously, like you said, got to stay healthy. Um, but I, I, I'm i kind of having some jealousy as a Giants fan because this is what the type of stuff that I, you'd be hoping for a big market team like the Giants to do, go out and get the big contract to Marcus Simeon last year and Corey Seager, give it this year to Jacob DeGrom. Bruce Bochy is their manager. I, I think it's uh, big up and comings for Texas, the way that they're investing in the team. Young players are coming along now. I'm excited to see what Leody Tavares can do this season because I don't think people realize how young he is. He's still 24 years old. Uh, Bubba Thompson, see what he can do. Evan Carter, I like him. Josh Young is going to be coming up. Adelise Garcia has just been a mainstay. Nathaniel Lowe is still only 27 years old. I really like this Rangers team. I think the Rangers go to the playoffs. I think they're actually going to give the Astros a run for their money in the division. That's just me. Uh, we'll get to predictions, obviously, as we get closer. But, dang, that, that is a good team right there. Talk about the most active team in the offseason. It wasn't the Rangers. It's the New York Mets. To the NL East we go. And uh, let's just get the sore subject out of the way, Derek. Carlos Correa, this is your moment. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know at this point if he's going to even be a New York Met. It certainly seems that way, though, uh, that they're just kind of restructuring things. Just mind blown. It, it does make me feel a little bit better that the Mets have had the, the same issues with the physical stuff and, and trying to figure out what injuries are going on. And But like at some point, you just got to kind of take a risk. And that has eluded this this front office forever now. Um, still the biggest contract they've given out now under the Farhan Zaidi uh, regime is the Mitch Hanniger deal, which is only like three years, 43 mil. Before that, it was like Tommy LaStella, who they just DFA'd. At some point, you got to take a risk. It, it was an injury that he suffered a long time ago. The the optics and the handling of it, too, having the press conference, having his family in town, he's house hunting, and literally like 45 minutes before being like, nope, sorry, we're not doing it. Horrible, and especially because his agent is Scott Boris. Now, I know they turned around and signed Michael Conforto, who is a Scott Boris client. We'll get to that coming up later, so maybe that shows that the, there are some amends there, but – I don't know, man. I, I am super disappointed in how this offseason has gone for the Giants, and I don't know any way around that. Now, as far as the Mets go, unbelievable infield. Unbelievable infield. I, I, I mean, and props to Steve Cohen for going for it. I hope this pushes other owners to actually go into the luxury tax because we haven't seen that before. And if that happens, that's going to be good for the sport. That's going to be exciting for the offseason. But, uh, yeah, the Mets are going to be a wagon this year with Verlander, Scherzer. Kodai Senga, I think, is going to be really good as well for them. Um, and then the lineup is just stupid good. The the moves that the Mets have made, and if you go through this offseason, like you go from the A's page to the Mets page, it is like shocking 
Uh, your eyes just burn when you look at the A's page and the Mets. If you're a Mets fan, man, what a time to be alive. Like, geez, this team is unreal. Here are the moves here. Just the overall players they've signed. So Carlos Gray, if this deal pens, uh, it's pending right now, 12 year deal worth $315 million. Brandon Nimmo, eight year deal worth $162 million. Now I, I do think the eight years was a lot for me. Didn't love that part, but I still love the player. Edwin Diaz re-signing with the Mets. Five-year deals, a five-year deal worth $102 million. Justin Verlander, two-year deal, $86.6 million. Then you go down the list and they lost a couple pieces, whatever they said. Two-year deal worth $26 million for Jose Quintana. They got Adam Ottavino again. Two-year deal, $14.5 million. Trevor Williams is now leaving the organization. They say whatever because he kind of was that mid-tier starter. They they decided Quintana was a good fit for them. Also in the back and then the bullpen. They get David Ross. Robertson, one-year deal, $10 million. I mean, I'm just blown away. They, the last signing they had, Danny Mendick, one year, $1 million. This has been an incredible offseason for them. They're clearly the winners of this offseason. Even if Correa has this weird situation, uh, if you see him in the middle of that lineup, like I don't care about the health issue, to be honest with you, too much. Um, I'm curious about what the situation is going to be. But the Mets have clearly put their mark that they're the team to watch out for in free agency and in baseball again. Uh, moving on to the Atlanta Braves, their rival. And uh, the Braves have not been all that active this offseason. They lose Dansby Swanson. They lose Kenley Jansen. Uh, they signed Jesse Chavez to a minor league deal. Adrianza they signed to a minor league deal. They signed Nick Anderson to a minor league deal. And Jackson Stevens. Uh, has this been a failure for the Braves this offseason, Derek? I thought they gave up maybe a little too much in the Sean Murphy trade, but I like the That's, player. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal because they have some young players that are going to be able to fill those holes, uh, especially with like the Dansby Swanson loss. I'm not overly concerned. They've done a good job organizationally. Um, certainly it stings that you lose Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson back back years, but I, I think they'll still be a really good team and, and maybe they'll make a run at it next offseason. The extension to Sean Murphy was interesting. I feel like they got a pretty good deal in that respect, a six-year deal. That that was fairly solid. He's a solid player. I, I really like him. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, returning from being NL champs, they signed Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million. You have guys like Taiwan Walker, four years, $72 million. Um, and you go down the line, and there were a couple other smaller moves that they made, including Craig Kimbrell. They get Matthew Strom. Uh, this has been a pretty successful off season for them, Derek. I feel like you could see them again back in the NLCS or possibly the world series again. Yeah. The Trey Turner. I mean, anytime you sign a superstar like that, it's an off season success. He's going to be perfect for that team because he'll get on base hits for high average hit at the top of the lineup. And then you got all those power hitters to kind of drive him in. So I'm expecting a huge season from him. I like Taiwan Walker, the player. I thought it was a little bit of an overpay, but if your ownership's willing to pay it, who cares? You brought a good player onto your, roster so yeah i think you're 100 right i mean this division is going to be insane with those top three uh talk about teams that didn't pay a ton the marlins two-year deal worth 17 million for gene segura we're going to combine them with the washington nationals just because these teams are clearly going to be in the cellar and you look at what the nationals did they get trevor williams two years 13 million jamer candelario maybe an underrated move one year five million dollars rosmo ramirez one year one million dollars anything at all that sticks out between those two no, I'm expecting a big bounce back season. I really like Jamer Candelario, but that's more of a fantasy thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the Marlins lineup is meh. I like Gene Segura, but that's not going to move the needle for him. St. Louis Cardinals, they get Wilson Contreras, five years, $87.5 million. That was their one big deal. Uh, they got better, Derek. I, I kind of like the Cardinals this year to watch out for them. 
Yeah, I already liked him to begin with, and Contreras is going to be an upgrade from the hitting standpoint from Yadier Molina. Um, I I don't know why. I never like love their starting pitching, but they always get enough. So maybe I should just stop questioning that. The Chicago Cubs uh, made some moves, even though they still don't seem great on paper. They get Dansby Swanson, the big one, seven years, $177 million. Uh, they get Cody Bellinger, one year, $17.5 million. Uh, a couple other smaller deals in place, too. Jameson Tyon, though, was the weird one for me. Four years, $68 million. I thought that was a bit of an overpay. They also bring back Drew Smiley. What sticks out to you about their offseason? No, this feels like the ultimate like high 70s win team that – they kind of maybe overpaid a little bit for some players to get them there. So it'll make them a little bit ba- better and raise the floor, but it's not going to like stick out much. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't really love this team, but Hey, you had an opportunity to go get out Dansby Swanson. And uh, that could be a player that doesn't necessarily just help you for next year, but he helps you when you make your next run, maybe in two or three years. The Brewers, they basically did nothing. They just traded away pieces. Um, they did acquire Wilson uh, Contreras, or uh, William Contreras, I should say, from the Atlanta Braves in a three-team deal, but that's about it. Uh, they let all their other guys sign. I don't understand the Brewers' offseason at all, Derek. No, oh, Asturi Ruiz out the door. Terrible decision. Terrible decision. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they uh, signed Rich Hill. Um, I, I don't really get the pirates either. They also got Carlos Santana. I like that deal. They got a one year, $6.7 million deal with them. Uh, guys like Austin Hedges, Vince Velasquez, uh, Harlan Garcia. I mean, the pirates are going to be bad again. Yeah. I, I don't know why more tanking teams don't do this though. Like just sign guys who are on one year deals who they have a chance to be playing well by the trade deadline. Maybe you get a prospect out of it. I, I think that's all this is. The Reds signed Will Myers to a one-year $7.5 million deal. They get Kirk Casale for a one-year $3.25 million deal. And Luke Maley, uh, one-year $1.175 million deal. Same concept, Derek, just kind of hanging in by the balance of it. Yeah, uh, the only thing that intrigues me is there's been some rumors about Johnny Cueto possibly returning, that the Reds have interest there. It'd be kind of like the Granky returning to the Royals. Uh, it'd just be kind of cool to see. Padres get Xander Bogarts, 11 years, $280 million. Wow, that's a big jump off the page from the last couple of teams we talked about. Um, then you get Robert Suarez, five years, $46 million. He re-signs with the Padres to that extension. Um, outside of that, they get Seth Lugo for a two-year deal. They get Matt Carpenter for a two-year deal. Uh, this team looks like they're primed to make a run to possibly win the division this year. Yeah, I mean, they have the best left-handed hitter in baseball. No, not Juan Soto, Matt Carpenter. That is a huge (laughs) pickup for them. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're going to just be awesome. If there's any questions, it would probably be about the starting pitching, uh, specifically like the depth of it, like your number four, number five. I think it's interesting. They signed Seth Lugo, sounds like to be a starter. Um, So we'll see how that whole experiment goes. And that'll have a big, I don't know, cause on on how well they do there. But yeah, this, this lineup, Maybe they'll be uh, kicking themselves in six years from now on Xander Bogarts, but for 2023, well, a team that really hasn't done much this off season, as far as additions would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Derek, when you take a look at what the Dodgers have done, I I mean, quite frankly, this could be one of the worst off seasons they've ever had. Uh, Notably Trevor Bauer, of course, he now gets $32 million after winning partially what his appeal was. But on top of that, you see Trey Turner go, Tyler Anderson go, Andrew Heaney go, Justin Turner go, Cody Bellinger go, Chris Martin go. The list like seems to go on and on. 
Uh, they do bring in Clayton Kershaw, resign him on a one-year deal worth $20 million. And then they bring in Noah Syndergaard, one-year $13 million. And finally, J.D. Martinez, a one-year $10 million deal. Uh, what What is our thought process here with them? I think if you just compare a player to player, first of all, like Syndergaard could end up having a better 2023 than Tyler Anderson. Wouldn't shock me. Uh, J.D. Martinez, I think he'll have a better 2023 than Justin Turner. But yeah, I think more than anything, this is just kind of clearing the runway for that next group of players. I Maybe this is enough for the offseason for them to not win the division. Like maybe the Padres end up winning the division. But I still think the Dodgers will be a playoff team. And so maybe in their, their mind, they're going, hey, we can still compete for a World Series this year, but we're going to get some of these young players opportunity. And then we're going to strike in the 2023 offseason when we could really have something special for 2024. That's kind of how I view this. I agree. I think they're going to be in the race for Otani, and uh, they're just trying to kind of wait for that. Uh, all right, your San Francisco Giants, Derek. They lose Rodon. They bring in Mitch Haniger. They bring in Michael Conforto. Taylor Rogers. they bring in the twin. Um, and they bring in Ross Stripling. Shamanaya, Jock Peterson resigns. I mean, there are a lot of moves the Giants made. I think the thing that's frustrating for Giants fans are the two moves they didn't really necessarily make. Yeah, like the judge one stinks, but also at the end of the day, that was his decision. You know what I mean? Um, now, I would argue that, well, should you have just made an offer that was so unreasonable with money that he couldn't say no? Yeah, okay, maybe. But with the Carlos Correa one, I mean, it just I, we're still kind of waiting for stuff to play out there. So we talked about it earlier, so I don't need to go more into it. But yeah, very disappointing because last year, even though the team ended up being you know, okay, they're a 500 ball club, not a super interesting team. And so for them not to really change that at all is very frustrating and very annoying. And you could honestly make the argument that they're actually better than they were last season. I don't know that it would be by much. Like maybe you think they could win 82 or 83 or 84 games. I kind of think they'll be right around that 78 to 84 win mark, depending on how well Farhan Zaidi kind of hits the, the waiver claims like we've seen him do and how successful those can be. But like, it's just kind of a boring team and it's been a boring off season. Not yeah, in terms sorry. of how it happened, but in yeah. terms of the result. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And, and it makes sense. Uh, you know, as a Dodgers fan, the Dodgers have signed a lot of big names recently. So this is the first off season they have. And so I can't imagine going through, numerous off seasons where you're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. So yeah, kind of tough for the Giants fans. I still like the Conforto signing. I feel like that's a low risk, high reward. And I like Mitch Haniger too, Cal Poly alum, right? Uh, the teams that we're going to classify together at the last second year, there's a team that's on the upward rise. That's the Diamondbacks team downward trend. That would be the Rockies. The Diamondbacks, all they did as far as free agency was sign Miguel Castro to a one-year deal worth $3.5 million. But they made several trades that have made them look at least like they're in a better approach to be winning in the near future. I uh, really like some of the moves they made. Of course, when they dished off our show, they got the pieces that I feel like are really great. Moreno and Guriel Jr. They also made a trade with the Mariners again, uh, bringing in Kyle Lewis. I'm intrigued by that. I, I, the Diamondbacks are an intriguing team versus the Rockies. Well, they signed Pierce Johnson to a one-year deal worth $5 million and Jose Arena to a one-year deal worth $3.5 million. I don't ever understand what the Rockies are doing. No, I have nothing to add with the Rockies because, yeah, that's a mess. I'll be really intrigued by the race between the Diamondbacks and the Giants. Um, you could argue both ways. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks are definitely a more interesting team, and I think the Diamondbacks have a higher ceiling because they're going to be relying on a lot of young talent. But also maybe because they're younger, the Giants just have the floor that they end up better. But, like, I think both those teams are, are going to be – 
competitive enough for a final wildcard spot without actually making it because there's too many other good teams. But I do think the top four in the, in the NL West are all very competitive. And then, yeah, you have the Rockies. Well, Derek, this is the final podcast of 2022. Real quickly, what's your fondest memory of the MLB season in 2022? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's a good one. Honestly, I don't know. that. I don't, like, have fond memory. I wasn't rooting for the Phillies, but just some of the – the excitement that they had in that ballpark again after being out of the playoffs for so long, like that was so cool to see. That'll probably be what sticks out the most for me in the year of 2022. That and kind of the judge home run race, even though it was inflated by uh, bouncy extra baseballs. For me, it'll be the Seattle Mariners. Uh, you know, I, I've stuck on that train for years of saying they'll make the playoffs, they'll make the playoffs. To see them finally make the playoffs and just see the fan base show up the way they had, I thought that was really cool. It kind of made me wish I was a Mariners fan. And, and I think that the Mariners fans are going to be blessed in the future because Julio is one special player. Excited to see him and all the other young players, Derek, in 2023. But with that being said, Happy New Year to you, Derek. On behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. Let's grab a drink again in the next year. It'll be two weeks from now. We will talk to you then. Happy New Year. Cheers. <laughs>